Hello, this is Talking Dogs, and I'm Graham Hall. I've spent close to 15 years now training dogs and training owners in how to train their dogs, which has earned me the name The Dog Father. Now, you might have spotted me on television's Dogs Behaving Very Badly, or you might have read one of my books. Now, this podcast is the place where you can tell me about your dog, and more specifically, you can ask me questions about why your dog behaves the way they do. Now, no problem is too big or too small, and I can promise you somebody else out there is having exactly the same trouble as you. Well, a lot of us are back to a bit more normal life right now. Well, that's normal in quotation marks. Now, that might mean leaving the house and therefore your dog to go to work, or it might mean just needing to get a full day's working at home without the dog distracting you every five minutes. So today I want to talk about how to get your dog to settle by themselves in a couple of different scenarios. I've had an email from Megan. She says, we've got a 16-month-old working black Labrador called Louie. He's a lovely, sweet, intelligent boy and we adore him. However, he's very strong and full of nervous energy. He won't settle in the house. He was successfully crate trained from early on and he will happily sleep and rest in his crates in the hallway most of the day. But... If we let him out of the crate, he'll mostly just roam around the house trying to get our attention, pinching things off the side to chew or stand staring at us whining. So we end up putting him back in his crate because he just gets so annoying. Now, occasionally he'll lie on his special rug, but he's not really relaxed. Uh, He's still staring at you, waiting for something to happen. It's a miracle if we ever get him to go to sleep out of the crate. How can we help him to learn that he's able to chill out and relax outside of his crate as well as inside it? I'd love for him to spend more time with us in the house. Well, bless him. Um, he sounds like a lovely lad, I've got to say. So Louis's a, a working dog. Um, and it's interesting this, because in the last episode, we were talking about working Cocker Spaniels. And working breed dogs are often on the go. They've just got a mind that's constantly tick, 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 tick. You know, they never stop. So I'm full of ideas on this one, uh, I've got to say. But I'm going to tackle the obvious thing first, which is, is it such of a problem if he's if he's in the crate, really? I, I, I get that you, you want him to be with you, Megan. That makes perfect sense. But from his point of view, my suspicion is if you could speak to Louis, he'd be like, I'm all right in the crate. I like the crate. It creates me den. I'm very happy there. Why do I want to be anywhere else? And when he's outside, he's probably, oh, it's just too, just, it's too big a place. I don't know what to do. So he's, he's whizzing around, getting stuff. I think attention-seeking sounds about right from what you're saying. Getting into mischief, you know. So, I mean, obviously, he needs the right amount of exercise, and that's physical and mental. If you listen to this before, you'll you'll have heard me say that before. But I'm not too worried that he loves his crate. I think it's a great thing. So I wouldn't worry so much about that. But yeah, is there anything we can do on top? Can we can we make use of this, you know, this special rug idea? I reckon there is something we can do with that. So let's talk about um, dog appeasing pheromones. Essentially, these are the chemicals that mum gives off, the natural chemicals that mum gives off when she's nursing. You've probably seen them in plugins, which aren't my favourite thing, I've got to say, because they often, the smell dissipates to nothing, is my experience, unless it's a small room. There's a, there's a time and a place for them. But you can get a spray version of it quite useful in cars sometimes if you're trying to settle a dog and they're really good when you spray them on a fabric so you can see where i'm going with this guy maybe if we spray a bit of that on the rug he'll go there and go and kind of what you're after is like oh mummy i'll just settle down you know it's that it's that just comforting smell that's familiar now a word of warning on that if you spray it on and introduce your dog immediately 
the carrier for the active ingredient is an ethanol. It's an alcohol, so it flashes off. And to a dog with a sensitive nose, it's shot up his nose and basically done the same job as uh, smelling salts, right? So he'll have a bonkers Labrador, as well bonkers than ever before. So spray it on, give it 20 minutes, and then introduce him to the area uh, and see if he'll settle down. That might help a bit. Now, I don't think it's a magic wand, but it's going to take the edge off. So... Yeah, I think that's worth a try. I wonder if there's anything about your behaviour that, you know, perhaps you could let him know when you're busy as opposed to when it's playtime. If he's attention-seeking and if it's sort of going on and on or if it's getting worse, that suggests that it's getting rewarded sooner or later. I suspect being a normal person... <laughs> unlike me right you're probably every now and again giving him that attention eh? right so he, he's coming he's going, look look at this thing i've stolen right so make sure there's nothing kicking about that he can steal it's going to be a problem and anything that he is likely to grab of his own just not a problem you can you can ignore it so set yourself up to succeed and then when he comes up you're let's say you're working from home you're on a laptop right you're at that table the laptop's on the screen's up and he's like look look and you're like no you don't exist look look what about this he goes away comes back with something look look there's that yeah all right comes with the next thing look look yeah yeah whatever and he'll get the message in the end the psychology of this is um, it's called behavior extinction if you if you fancy a google but essentially all you need to know is that is that when you ignore something it often gets worse before it gets better because your dogs go you know he's not surprisingly he's like i need to try harder and then it begins to dawn on them that they're knocking the head against a brick wall it fades away but often then after maybe days of great behavior it comes back with a vengeance and it's kind of Custer's last stand you know I'm going to give this one last shot with everything I've got and that's when a lot of people trip up so if you're going to ignore him to create that hate when these conditions exist you know me sat at the table laptop don't even bother he'll soon get it and then when you stand up to go make a cup of tea he'll be like okay game on you know fire off maybe that's a good time to, to interact with him because he does need that mental stimulation it's just a case of when so I think it's a nice way of teaching him a few rules I think in general terms, when you've got a dog who's who's doing this kind of stuff, won't settle, you know, trying to grab something, do something else, you know, we, we often think, well, he's clearly he's bored. Well, yeah, that's probably true. And therefore, I've got to entertain him. And I think that's a road to ruin because before you know it, he starts to attention seek a bit. You entertain him because you don't want him to be bored. That's understandable. So he gets into that habit. And... <laughs> In the end, you'll be spending eight hours a day just keeping him going. And with a working breed dog in particular, they'll play with you for eight hours straight. So we need to create a few rules, which are, look, there's a time to calm down and there's a time to play. So we will be interacting with you. You know, we love you. Everything's fine. But right now, no. And the way they understand that is by recognising the signs. You know, I think we all know the dog th that knows when you're about to leave you've picked up your keys you've gone to get your coat and perhaps they think you're going for a walk or they you, they're going they know you're leaving because it's situational isn't it that's how we're going to teach him that there's a time to play and there's a time no we all settle down so yeah don't feel too guilty do make sure that you interact with them at the right time but it's okay listen think of it this way a happy dog will sleep all night and we'll happily sleep half the day as well. It's quite normal.
Now, you might be back to the office during the day or you might just have a vibrant social life in the evening. Either way, uh, you'll want to be confident that your dog's OK in the house by themselves. So a question I've, I've been asked since like forever is how long can you leave a dog on their own? And it's one of those questions that pops up in media interviews a lot. And journalists are always after a nice, neat answer, like four hours. There you go. Three hours, 59 minutes, four hours, fine. Four hours and one minute. It's, it's all hell let loose. And the truth is, life's not quite like that. If you really push me on a rule of thumb, I would probably say four hours is, is probably a, a, not a bad one. But the truth is, I've seen dogs who could happily be left for longer than that. That's probably a bit controversial. But, you know, when I had two Rotties, they were great in each other's company. They sort of entertained each other. You know, I just know they spent most of the day sleeping. You could leave them for a bit longer than four hours. It's those dogs that can't be left for minutes almost on their own that are the biggest worry for owners. That's when you've got a proper separation anxiety problem. So on that subject, Sarah has been in touch about her seven-month-old cockapoo, Millie. Now, she says Millie's confident, happy and sociable, and she'll happily play by herself. However, when I leave the house, she barks and howls at the top of her voice, and she has done since the first day I left her. Uh, It's near impossible to only come into the house when she's calm, because she stops as soon as she hears my car return or I approach the front door. Right, I can see you thinking there, Sarah. I go out for a 10-minute walk once a week, and... I pop to the shops for 20 minutes every fortnight. Every time she barks and howls until I return, my neighbours must hate me. Sounds like you're in the house a long, long time, which might be part of the problem, eh? I've tried everything. Taking her on a long walk, making sure she's toileted, playing music, leaving food, putting her in a crate, out of the crate, and mind puzzles. You've tried lots of the good things. She just sits at the door and stares. I hear that leaving for a minute at first and building it up slowly is the only way forward. Um, It's certainly a good way forward, but it sounds like it takes years to build up to leaving peacefully for three or four hours. Okay, is there a quicker way? It's a problem with lots of people are grappling with right now, and especially um, with lockdown puppies. Now, I've seen dogs that were around before the lockdowns, and then got into that habit of expecting people to be around all the time. Why wouldn't they? But for puppies who were born, well, let's be honest, from you know 2020 early on onwards, all they ever knew in the early parts of their life was that people were around all the time. So no surprise that we've got a problem, I guess. And now it's interesting that it's impossible to reward Millie with that return because she stops when she hears the car. Now, let's go back a stage with that. I often say to people that, a reward is anything that feels good. Now, in the case of a dog who's you know, feeling scared and lonely at home, the fact that you walk in the door is the biggest reward going. Yeah. So a reward is anything that feels good. So if your dog's barking when you're at the door and you walk in, and let's be honest, most people would because, oh, bless her, you want to get back in and you want to you know, not upset your neighbours. Unfortunately, that moment of rewarding barking means that the barking continues you're almost training your dog that that's what you like ironically i see what you're doing here sarah you're saying well i can't really you know wait for those calm moments because she's calm as soon as the car comes back all right then well one way around that of course is to leave the car isn't it um that, that thing about popping out for a minute or two and coming back again is a sound idea so we leave all right and pop around the corner for a minute probably no more than that come back and 
uh, if she doesn't hear the car, um, she you may find that she's barking. Now, I don't want her to be barking, but I'm waiting for the lull because we need to teach her that it's okay. If you calm down, I come back. So if you listen to that rise and fall, right, of like, and then there's a second or two of nothing, and then it's like, they're away again, right? Well, that dip, that's where you go in. So the more you reward the calming down, the quietness, the more you go back in. We don't want your dog to think, the more I bark, the more I bring them home. So, yeah, dispense with the car for this training. I, I, I would do that, and I think that will speed things up. I think she'll get the message, because then it's consistent, isn't it? Every time I bark, she doesn't come back, but when I'm quiet, she does. Now, with that, I've always said with separation anxiety, the biggest deal is your demeanour. Understandable for you to be feeling anxious when you're leaving, because you know you've got a problem, and your heart goes out to her. The worst thing you can do is to look scared as you're walking out or looking anxious. Because if you're anxious, how's she ever to learn to be anything other than anxious? She's taking a cue from you, isn't she? So in a way, she's looking at you thinking, well, I'm a, I'm a bit perturbed at the moment, but mother, you look terrified. <laughs> not going to help. So on the inside, it's no point me saying don't feel bad. I mean, you, you will. But on the outside, for her sake, really, you've just got to sort of look at her and go, all right, darling, I'm going. Yeah, see you later. So do talk. Do be normal, right? Because what we're trying to get across is this is normal. I go. I'll be back. It's fine. You're okay. Nothing happened, right? Equally, when you come back in, you may have heard advice in the past that you come back in and you completely ignore the dog. It's a bit weird to do that, and I don't think that settles them at all, frankly. But equally, don't make a big deal of it. So how do you do it? Well, I would walk in and go, you know, hi, Millie, and you walk straight past her, get the kettle on, give yourself something to do, making a cup of tea, and then it's like, come on then, over you come, you know. So you've you've gone, you've come back, it was all very normal, no big deal. You know that thing where kids come back from school and you say, what happened at school today? What do they say? Nothing. Always. Always nothing. That's what we're after with Millie. It's like, I left and I came back. What happened in the meantime? Uh, nothing. Correct. Remember that. It's not a biggie. It's fine. You'll get over it. <laughs> so when I'm reading through your message, Sarah, I'm thinking, here's, here's an intelligent person who's who's obviously read up on it and you're doing pretty much everything but i can sense that frustration it's like i've tried everything nothing is working you know and this is going to take years i think there's a couple of tricks there that you might have missed so the one might be the go without the car another one funnily enough earlier in this episode we talked about dog appeasing pheromone spray that might help as well because it gives millie somewhere cozy to go to on that as well by the way you might try giving her a smaller area to patrol in the house Sometimes when dogs are cooped into a tiny area, they rebel against it. But other dogs, if they've got the run of the whole house, it's almost too much for them. They, they, it's almost like they're patrolling a big area and they just whiz around and worry and worry. And if you give them sort of smaller horizons to look at, you know, perhaps that's just the kitchen or the utility or something, they settle more readily. So I think those things are worth thinking about. Realistically, there is no quick fix with um, separation anxiety. I don't think it's going to take years chances are it may be she'll always be a slightly nervy girl maybe that's the way she just is when she's alone but you you absolutely can get there it's that thing about consistency doing the right things sending out the right signals from minute to minute and looking like this is all perfectly normal that's, that's my best advice for you and, and keep it up you'll get there you will
now we get to night time, boys and girls. <laughs> Charlie has emailed me with this dilemma about her eight-month-old Cavapoo Lulu. Now, she's always been a dream. <laughs> appropriate and very easy to train we've crate trained her since we got her eight weeks old and this has been absolutely fine her crate is in the living room while we sleep upstairs okay she's fully house trained and no longer has accents i want to try giving her some more freedom uh, i eventually would like to give her the run of downstairs when we're out in the day and at night time i've tried putting her to bed in a crate but not locking the door at night to begin with but this hasn't been going well okay so she let herself out of the crate clever girl and then sit by the living room door and scream if i come back downstairs and put her in a crate and lock the door and leave her she'll go straight to sleep Ah. Is this behaviour Lulu telling me that she doesn't want more freedom and just likes the crate? It rather sounds like that, doesn't it, I've got to say. I think she's very much got used to where she is in that crate. So she's eight months old. They do go through little fear periods as they as they grow up. And I'm just wondering whether she's just feeling you know, very much more secure in the crate than anywhere else. I, I think there is a big element there of, of her just, you know, it's like, no, no, you've got it wrong. You've forgotten something. You've forgotten something. Come back down. Come back down. Come back down. Good. The door's shut. I'm safe. Okay. The wolves won't get me now. I'm fine. <laughs> it's almost like that, you know. There are times when I, I look at a problem and I think, well, is it? such a problem you know so i think at night particularly if she's happy in the crate and she's not toileting you know all the evidence is that she settles well i'd be i'm really inclined to say let's not force the issue on that one let's not force her to sleep outside you know i think with time my gut feeling here is with time she'll probably get used to it anyway you know you could try in the daytime she goes for a snooze you know with the uh, the, the door open but it's almost a problem that's not a problem dare i say but I get where you're coming from, Charlie. If you do want to go ahead with getting us to sleep out of the crick, I mean, let's be honest, that might be useful if you're staying overnight somewhere, a cottage or something like that. Then how would you go about it? Well, I would, I would do it in, in short, for short periods of time and probably during the daytime to start with. So if she goes in for a snooze, you know, settles down, uh, we could leave the door open then and you're around so you can reassure her. Uh, now on that, when it comes to reassuring dogs, what we often do is the wrong thing, but it's very human. Dog looks anxious. We go, it's okay, darling, everything's okay. Hey, 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 settle down. So she's like, oh, okay. So if I look anxious, I get love. Ah, oh, right. And we're actually training to be more anxious. So clearly you're not going to tell her off for being anxious. But if she wakes up and she looks anxious, it's like, no, no, it's fine. Everything's okay. Right. And then when she looks braver, or if she wakes up, pops her eyes open, the door's open, she goes, mm, nah, fine, never mind. That's when you go very gently, oh, good girl, that's nice. So you seem to say I'm a good girl when I'm not bothered by things. Who knew? I think sometimes we we think we've got a problem because of what we expect as humans or maybe we feel guilty that she's in the crates all night or somebody on a forum that somewhere said, oh, no, they shouldn't be in crates. And, you know, crates, by the way, are a very emotive subjects, aren't they? Particularly when people call them cages. So what I always do in a situation like this is I imagine if I could speak to the dog in this case in Cavapoo language uh, and say, you know, Lulu, tell me, what do you think? Uh, she'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm very happy here. It's my little den. It's okay, you know, in which case, well, that's fine. And all dogs are different. When I had two Rottweilers, Gordon and Axel, Axel grew up in the, the kind of crate and then Gordon came along, he was nine months younger, and Gordon would often take himself off to the crate. He was really happy in the crate. Axel, by the time he grew up, pretty much never went back there. 
same crate, same house, same owner, two different dogs. Well, it's been a real pleasure to have you with me today. I'll be back next week, so make sure you've subscribed to the podcast to be the first to know about it. Uh, well, you and one or two others. Do you have a specific problem that you need my help with? Okay, well, send me a voice note telling me about it to talkingdogs at avalonuk.com. Now, I might even have talked about the issue that you're having. Do scroll back through the podcast feed. There's loads of episodes to get stuck into. So until next time, look after yourself, your loved ones, and of course your dogs. Bye for now.